0: Bruce Arians announcing he's
1: stepping down after three seasons in Tampa Bay. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles being promoted to the head coaching job. Bruce said he had achieved everything that he wanted to as a head coach.
2: The thought of perhaps Tom Brady retiring and then having their head coach retire would have been a lot for that organization all at once.
0: Bruce Arians loves Todd Bowles, loves him. Coach Arians put this in motion even before Tom Brady made the decision to come back. Tom comes back and then he says, this is the right time to do it.
3: ESPN Radio
2: You are listening to ESPN Radio Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz hanging out with you. You can watch us on ESPN Plus. You can listen to us on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So Todd Bowles is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bruce Arians has moved on. He is going to move into a front office position. And this raises a lot of questions about the relationship between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and how much this had to do with the future of Tom Brady in Tampa. One could a uh, surmise here, Jason Fitz, that there's some problems maybe in paradise down there in Tampa between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. And so maybe when Tom decided he's going to unretire, he went to the Bucs and he said, Hey, I'll unretire if Bruce Arians is not my head coach. Now, we have no information that that happened. In fact, there has been nothing but blanket denials out of Tampa, and it is very convincing, those denials. Tom Brady gushing on social media about his former head coach and Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians addressing the issue head on, saying, hey, people just want to write stuff, but it's not true. We have a great relationship. We go golfing together. You're never going to know the truth. Teddy Bruski, though. ESPN's NFL analyst. He was on KJM this morning and he talked about Todd Bowles taking over the helm there in Tampa. He had an interesting theory about how Bowles will fit in with Brady.
3: There's a lot of Bill Belichick in the way he goes about things that is in Tom Brady. If um, just by the way, you know, his, his detail and the way he follows things, it's the way he was brought up. It's the way his football foundation was poured, if you will. So yes, you want to experience something. I mean, you, you go through it for 18, 19 years. It's like, man, you can't just, it's hard. You got to have thick skin to go through that for so long. So you want to go experience it somewhere else. They do He does that. And then you, you realize there's another way to win. But then there's a you start to realize which way do you prefer, and I think most definitely the way that Tom Brady prefers is the structured disciplinarian type of approach, not maybe over the top that it was maybe in New England, but just more of a structured disciplinarian approach that possibly and most definitely uh, Todd Bowles can probably do a little bit more structured than Bruce Arians.
2: That is the most teddy brewski takes. Of all Teddy Brisky takes, right? I mean, just such a pro-Patriots take. But maybe there's some semblance to truth here where – Tom Brady, he thinks, hey, I want greener pastures. I want to take it easy. I'm tired of Bill Belichick's approach. And we know in New England, Tom Brady wasn't the guy. Bill Belichick was the guy at the end of the day, right? That became obvious in the last couple years of Tom Brady's tenure, where they kind of chose Bill over Tom Brady, or seemingly so. And so he wanted to go somewhere else where maybe he had a little bit more respect. And then also, it was a different approach in terms of the coaching staff, one that's more relaxed. At At this point in Tom Brady's career, Bruce Arians is that I mean, Bruce Arians is notorious for having fun with his players and his door always being open and happy hours and everything else. The golf, you hear it. He is one who relates to his players that way. It's definitely a different approach than Bill Belichick has. So maybe Tom liked that at first. And now, is it possible that Tom wants more structure, so he pressured the Bucks to turn their attention to Todd Bowles?
1: I mean, we say at first, let's look at the big difference between two seasons in Tampa Bay. When you win a Super Bowl, oh, I love it. I love how much fun we have here. You can win Super Bowls and not have to be as dogmatic in everything that happens along the way. This is the right way to live. But I said this when Belichick and Brady parted ways that one thing we needed to keep an eye on was how does Brady adapt to a situation where there isn't the same level of, of accountability when things go wrong, when he may have to be bad cop. And what did we see last year? Like when the season doesn't end the way you want now, all of a sudden you're looking at the little things that have been allowed to slide through the process. And you're saying, well, why are we allowing this? Why are we allowing this? And we should if we would have won the Super Bowl, if we'd done this, like those are all natural things when you come from the pedigree that Tom Brady comes from. So like I. I love how we're sitting here saying, well, maybe he needs maybe it's they didn't win a Super Bowl. And now he looks across and says, well, I want more discipline in that process. Like that actually makes a lot of sense when you look at it like you want to have fun as long as you're winning Super Bowls. If you're not winning Super Bowls, then all of a sudden all of this is thrown up out the window.
2: Well, I don't think you want any of it if you're not winning Super Bowls. Let's be honest, especially somebody as competitive as Tom Brady. You don't want the fun if you're not winning Super Bowls. You also don't want the discipline if you're not winning Super Bowls. I I think, frankly, you don't want anything if you're not winning Super Bowls. All you want is to win Super Bowls. And we know that that, of course, is what Tom Brady's goal is each and every season. I, I have a hard time believing, though, that Tom Brady wants a coach that's more, you know, ruling with an iron fist. It's more like a Bill Belichick in terms of him personally. Now, could I believe maybe Teddy Bruschi has a point in terms of the rest of the team, maybe below him, kind of everybody else. He wants more structure. Maybe he does want a little bit more of the Patriot way there. I suppose I still have a hard time believing that Tom Brady himself would feel like he needs any semblance of that. We're also talking about somebody who is so incredibly self-disciplined in every aspect of his life, including how he takes care of Himself when he's nowhere near the facility. So I can't imagine that he needs a coach like that that institutes that kind of structure. But maybe he just wanted it instituted for everybody else.
1: Yeah, he's coming in and saying, you know what the guys need? And he's not talking about himself. He's like, you know what they all need? And with all due respect, it's a little like Michael Scott, right? Like he's walking in and thinking everybody else needs the lesson. So he doesn't want to be cussed out when there's a bunch of interceptions. He doesn't want anybody yelling at him through this. He's got his process. Stay out of my business. But what the rest of the guys could really use here is somebody to come in and instill a little discipline. Like that That makes total sense. The question is, how are you going to feel if that doesn't go to Tom? Because if you're Bowls, you got to come in from day one and understand that it's your job now to win over a locker room that culturally is used to one style of, of coach. And you may not be that person. So you've got to get everybody to buy into who you are and how you do business, whether they know you or not, like now you are the head coach. That's a different sort of environment when you talk about leadership and how it works. And you're going to have to hold Tom to the same standard as everybody else, or you'll immediately lose any respect. Do you?
2: I don't think you do Come you we don't on. lose we all any reason, okay. Listen, in that's all fair and I you know, in all of our like in every industry in the world, right? I, I feel like there's somebody who gets a little bit more respect than everybody else. And hey, if that person has earned it, then you kind of know. all right. that person that person maybe gets a little different treatment than the rest of us, right? I mean, but it do you in not industry? does it? Does it drive you insane if you feel like the person has earned it? And certainly, Tom Brady has earned
1: it. Yeah, but do you not like? There's you're a, a thousand percent right. And you know, Gojo used to always say that you, an offensive lineman knew that a star was going to get different treatment. I thought in you were the, about to say room.
2: that Gojo was the one that used to get the different treatment.
1: Oh no! Oh, <laughs> all day, every day. No, but you start thinking, and, and I felt this like the number of times that we'd be walking out to play an arena and they would hand a jersey to the lead singer and be like, "Well, she's a star," and you're like, "Oh, yay! Thank you." Uh, you know, like. But you, you get used to that. I don't know, though, that you get everybody's respect in every instance through that because you do have a lot of stars on this roster. Yes, Brady, everybody knows Brady's going to have some level of different treatment, but if you're basically letting Brady do whatever whatever he wants to and then you're trying to hold other star players accountable to your style of discipline, I can see where they may get why Brady gets the treatment he gets, but they're also going to roll their eyes at you as you walk out the door, right? Like, I mean, that's if if our managers are are treating somebody, if if you and I are on the same show— And, you know, because I'm obviously a star, I'm getting such great treatment. The minute one of our bosses walks out the door after yelling at you, are you not going to roll your eyes at both of us in the process? Like, I think that's also human nature.
2: Well, possibly. But uh, if you took the me and you example, like you are far more long tenured here at ESPN than I am. So if if there was like some extra perk for Jason Fitz that there wasn't for Amber Wilson initially before I earned my stripes, I think I could understand that because you would have had the long standing relationships and and you have the bonafides fides and, and nobody has bonafides fides more bonafide fide than Tom Brady has in the NFL but what's strange to me about this idea of wanting to institute more discipline even if we're talking about the guys around him why it's not like we're talking about a young team it's not like we're talking about a bunch of pieces that haven't been there before and we're not it's not even like we're talking about a bunch of pieces who haven't already won a ring and by the way not that long ago they won one we aren't far removed from that and a lot of the main pieces are the same so I find that component of this interesting that he would feel like there needs to be a regime change it's not like we're talking about a team with a bunch of rooks that need to develop we will be talking plenty about this situation in Tampa because there is a ton to unpack here and we will be doing it all show long up until 7 p.m. here Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio but next we turn our attention to another team that of course we have to fill our quota today Fitz we've got to talk about the Los Angeles (laughs) Lakers and LeBron let's go ahead and do it this is ESPN Radio
3: ESPN Radio.
2: Wilson and Jason Fitz hanging out with you on ESPN Radio. You can tweet to us at Jason Fitz, at Amber W790. You can also join the conversation on the Canty call-in line, one eight eight. That is 3776 We are talking, of course, a lot about the change in Tampa at head coach and how much did Tom Brady factor into that change going from Bruce Arians to Todd Bowles. We have a caller, David, in Florida. You have some thoughts on the matter. David, what's up?
1: Well, I just wanted to say, first off, Jason Fitz, as a, as a uh, fellow guitar and string player, just because she gets the jersey doesn't mean to make her the star. The second thing I wanted to say was, uh, if Tom Brady is the one that has done all this and said, you know, I'll come back if he's no longer the coach, isn't that the same thing LeBron does when he was in Miami, when he was in Cleveland? And now that he's in L.A., that he gets to run the show, is that what we're looking at professional sports moving forward? And I'll leave it at that. Thanks,
2: guys. Well, and when we're talking about LeBron James and when we're talking about Tom Brady, we're talking about a couple of the greatest players of all time, right? So there's only a very limited amount of people that could have that kind of power in sports. I just felt like the tone there from David at the end was a frustration that, hey, the athlete would be given that kind of power, Jason. And I just don't think that it applies to most athletes. Like, yes, if you're so generational that you're the greatest player of your entire generation, then maybe you are given that kind of deference.
1: Yeah, but with that deference should come some level of accountability, shouldn't it? Like, At some point, if you are such a great player that you decide you also want to play GM, then you are, at some point, you're responsible for whatever happens. You know, Bill Parcells used to always talk about how if he was going to cook the ingredients, uh, he wanted to be able to—if he was going to cook a meal, he wanted to be able to pick the ingredients, right? Well, we saw this whole trend for a long time where coaches— Got a double title, coach and GM. Once you take that step, if things start to fail, you get fired. Now, nobody's going to fire LeBron for the way the things have gone for the Lakers, but there should certainly be accountability. If the Lakers are terrible, it's because LeBron got them there. Not on the court, but off the court. Every acquisition they make, every coach they hire, every the, the type of toilet paper they have in there, everything they do as an organization is done to make LeBron happy. So now, all of a sudden, things aren't good. They're not active enough at the trade deadline he yells at people. Maybe we don't know. Like I look at all of this and say there has to be some ownership. If things go wildly awry for the Buccaneers and we find out that this, all of this change happened simply because of Brady, then Brady shoulders the blame.
2: I like how you have LeBron yelling at the janitorial staff about two ply versus three ply in the practice facility. But you're right; he's know, got he that talks kind to talk kind to of somebody. Power. His
1: his people then message somebody and be like, "LeBron would like six ply, six ply." you know that, what?
2: Uh, and and every and everybody about to get six ply. That's (laughs) what's about to happen when LeBron once said but you're absolutely right the blame absolutely does get placed on the shoulders of a player like LeBron when you do get that kind of control of the organization in Miami when LeBron was with the Heat that control was not given to him and I think that had everything to do with frankly why he left because he wanted that control and he was at a point in his career where he felt like you know what I'm the greatest player I should deserve this control and so he went back to Cleveland where he got a whole lot more of it now he has a whole lot of it in Los Angeles as well and hey it worked out for both of those organizations they both got a ring out of giving LeBron that kind of control so I don't think you can call it a complete failure but the problem is that just because you're the greatest player of your generation doesn't make you the greatest GM of your generation and now we're seeing the problem with it here with this version of the Los Angeles Lakers where yes, they kind of got lucky. What it felt like a little lucky there a couple years ago, maybe winning the championship. You had mentioned, I believe, when we spoke earlier about this, that you know, you had some fresh legs out there. They were playing in a pandemic bubble. They hadn't played basketball in some time. So you had healthy Anthony Davis coming back to win that championship. Now they've been riddled with injuries and he's 37 years old at this point in his career. He brought in an aging Russell Westbrook. That has been a complete failure. And even frankly bring Bringing in Anthony Davis as the guy to help him age gracefully has been a complete failure because AD has always had durability concerns and he should have known. And now they're completely up against it in terms of their salary cap situation. And they really don't have many places to go or many options as they head into this postseason And most likely this offseason, which is probably coming sooner rather than later for this Los Angeles team. So, Absolutely, some of that blame at this point falls squarely on the shoulders of LeBron, and that's what you're setting yourself up for when you ask for that level of responsibility.
1: I keep thinking about any any profession, what we do. We put together a show, and it takes a long time to figure out what we're going to talk about for four hours. We put that show together. We sign off on that show together, and we say, this is the show we're going to do. Well, if the show stinks because our topics are bad, uh, at the end of the day, uh, that's Shannon on us. Penn's fault. You know and that's know. probably shannon's fault producer right. extraordinary uh but but you know, I look back to to She's music like I just heard. If, uh, yeah you you it's all your fault if the show is bad, it's your fault but that's if what it's we've
2: good. It's me and Fitz. Right. You know?
1: A thousand percent because we're executing the vision. I, I, I mean, I think that goes without saying. I mean, I'll go back to music. Like when I was the band, uh, band leader, part of my job was putting together a set. So if I put together a set list and it doesn't work, well, then I probably didn't do my job very well, even though the songs were not mine, all of them. Like I put the set together. I take responsibility for that. That's part of what happens. Like if you're looking around at LeBron, I mean, we're just sort of glossing over Frank Vogel's going to get fired. Right. So, right. Uh, but that's, you know, that's LeBron. That's kind of um, you know what
2: happens when you when you coach LeBron right yeah. i mean it didn't happen to Eric Spoelstra uh, but yeah. he tried he certainly tried he tried after his first season in Miami he tried to get Spo fired spo should be winning the coach of the year this year spo is a spectacular coach in the nba one of are the most underrated coach.
1: th- like you're coaches spo out like you are we are, we, are we buddies like, it- I, I,
2: yes with spo yes me and spo listen i covered the heat so for cool. a lot of years spo's a great awesome. guy but yes uh you know lebron did try to exercise that control in miami it didn't work he has successfully exercised everywhere else he's about to exercise it again Vogel's days are numbered because LeBron because the the even though a lot of it is LeBron to your point the blame ends up going other places he's really good at pointing the finger back at the front office or pointing the finger back to the coaching staff even though a lot of it of course is on him and nothing is signed off on without his
1: blessing. Yeah, he signs off on Russ, and now that contract has them hamstrung. He signed off on AD. Nobody could have predicted that AD wouldn't be healthy. Well, coaches and GMs lose their job for that. So do players. In my mind, they lose some level of you know a tip of the cap if they're part of assembling the group that's coming together. If you're responsible for assembling Voltron and you don't get the right robots, that's on you. That's a really dated 80s reference there. Don't worry about it. I'm the old guy in the room, Amber. Don't worry. It's just a dated bunch of robots that came together. They made one big robot. I don't know. I,
2: I, you know what? I was an 80s baby, but I have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm going to yeah, take your great. word for it, Jason yeah, Fitz. Time. When we come back, we're going to transition back to the NFL. Bobby Wagner is headed to Los Angeles. Does that make the Rams the team to beat in the NFC? I feel like they already were. That's X. This is ESPN Radio.
3: ESPN Radio.
2: Bobby Wagner is now a Ram. What does that mean for the rest of the NFC? Amber Wilson and Jason Fitts hanging out with you on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. It is time to respect it or check it. For that, we bring in our producer, Shannon Penn.
0: All right. So thank you, Amber, for the introduction here. So for the folks who don't know, respect it or check it. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a hot, sizzling take, Um, amusing, an observation, if you will. And you got to tell me whether or not you're going to put some respect on said take, or are you going to check said take? Are you guys ready? Ready. I think so, yes. Wow, Harry going with the fantasy today. Okay, all right, here we go. All right, Amber, I will start with you. With the Rams, with Bobby Wagner now in the NFC West with the Los Angeles Rams, are the Rams the team to beat in the NFC? You going to respect it, or are you going to check it?
2: I'm going to respect it, because I would have said – uh, 36 hours ago, I would have said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the team to beat in the NFC. Uh, now, I don't know what they're going to look like with Todd Bowles at the helm. I don't think, frankly, they're going to look much different. I know we'll get into that throughout the show, but I definitely think that with all the pieces that Green Bay has lost, including Aaron Rodgers' favorite target, I can't give that respect to the Packers either. So that leaves the defending champs in the Los Angeles Rams, who did get a little bit better today with Bobby Wagner joining their roster. I will respect this one, Jason.
1: Yeah, I'm also going to respect it. And I think part of it is, for me, at some point you got to look at the rest of the NFC and ask, what has everybody else done? And you can make a pretty easy argument that Green Bay lost uh, Devontae Adams makes them worse. You could say Tampa Bay has more question marks than they did 24 hours ago, and nobody's ever going to trust the Cowboys. So uh, now I'm looking across the board and saying, did the Cardinals get better? Because the Rams, in my mind, get better with this move. So I respect it. I think absolutely the Rams are looking at being the cream of the crop of the NFC.
0: All right, moving on. Jason Fitz, this one is for you. The NFC South is the worst coaching division in the NFL.
1: Respect it or check it. Oh, respect it all way, uh, all day, because there's just no proof of concept anywhere across the board. Like I thought, Matt Rule coming out of Baylor would be able to change the culture. It, Carolina really liked that hire at first. Now it looks like absolute garbage. Arthur Smith with the Falcons has a rebuilding mode, so like I don't know if he's a good coach or not, but I know he doesn't have enough talent to win. Bruce Allen or Bruce Allen, Dennis Allen. Uh, we, his only time that he's been on the sidelines was an abject disaster with my beloved Raiders so let's see how it goes with the Saints but and now you know Todd Bowles is somebody I'm rooting for he's got plenty of talent but we have no idea so top to bottom you can find a major flaw with each of them I say absolutely what do you say Amber uh,
2: I, I say it's the the most inexperienced and confusing <laughs> division in terms of coaching I don't know if it's the worst because sure like Arthur Smith could be a heck of a coach I have no idea uh, we'll have to find out but like you said there's a limited amount of talent on these rebuilding teams I don't know what Dennis Allen's gonna look like I know he's got very big shoes to fill in New Orleans I think Matt Rule right th- is the coach here that uh, people are so so down on that has the most question marks in that regard but these other guys are just completely unproven. I mean, I know what Todd Bow- Bowles looked like the first time he was a head coach. It didn't go so well. I would imagine that the way that team is constructed, it's going to look a lot better in Tampa than it did in New York, but it, there's a lot of questions in the NFC South, so I'll say it's a questionable coaching division.
1: Well, that's much nicer. I'll
2: be a, I'll be a little nicer than Jason
1: that's Fitz. That's much nicer. Oh that, oh, that was nice.
0: All right, moving <laughs> on with respect and you know, a check it here on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz. Amber, Lamar Jackson will get a new deal done before the start of the regular season. You're going to respect it? or are you going to check it? I'm going
2: to respect it. Yes, Lamar. Yes, do it. Call them back because the Ravens are claiming that it's all you that's not returning the calls, that it's you who is the whole reason that you don't have an extension yet. And I am here to tell you what are we waiting for at this point? Your patience has paid off up to this point. I will credit you that. I did not see that coming, that Deshaun Watson was going to get $230 million guaranteed and reset the entire market. And now you go to the front office and you say, hey, that guy just got $230 million guaranteed. He's never gotten an MVP and By the way, there's a you know the whole allegations against him that I don't have by all accounts, I have an upstanding character, and so for all of those reasons, go ahead and pay me 250 million guaranteed, and let's go ahead and get this done. But you need to get it done before you start playing football again. Don't play football without an extension in place. I'll respect it.
1: Okay, all of your logic is perfect, and that's why I'm gonna check it. I think Lamar Jackson should have a massive deal in place, but it's going to take the Ravens deciding to guarantee. I mean, if I'm, if I'm Lamar, I look in and say, fully guaranteed doesn't start any less than 250. Like 250 is my starting point which the Ravens have already said, hey, we don't have to play that way. We don't have to do business that way. We don't have to fully guarantee everything. I don't think this is simple because it's no longer going to be about contract dollars. It's going to be about guaranteed dollars. And if I'm I'm Lamar, I will do whatever it takes to get those. I'd be interested to see if Lamar even goes as far as considering a holdout. It's what it might take to get it done. I hope they work it out. But I think the Ravens are going to have a hard time writing that check because it's so much to write for a quarterback. Lamar deserves it, but I check it.
0: All right, the marquee matchup this weekend, of course, the Final Four: Duke and Carolina, big matchup. Jason Fitz, we, we know that Carolina beat Coach K in his last game at Cameron Indoor. So I'll start with you here. UNC will send Coach K and Duke home. You're going to respect it,
1: or you're going to check it. Respect it all day long. And what we're not respecting is the last time these two teams played at Cameron. And it wasn't even close, and we could sit there and argue that it wasn't close because the pressure was too much for Duke, which then everybody turns around and says, myself included, well, this is a different team in the tournament. That's only been a few games. We're not talking like this was a – I know it was a different team a month ago, but there's only been a handful of games in that amount of time. We saw what the pressure did last time, and we saw that the pressure meant nothing to North Carolina. They were just fine. I think they come in just fine from this – from pressure, and all it takes is Duke being a – Little tight. That's the difference in the in the the way this game plays out. So I, I think Coach K is headed home. Amber, what say you?
2: Uh, I am going to check this because I do not think UNC is going to send Coach K home, and the reason for that is exactly what Jason Fitz just said. We just have a different conclusion drawn from the same game where I feel like now Duke's gotten the monkey off their backs in terms of the pressure. They already ruined the end of Coach K's regular season tenure at Duke. They already failed in that Super Bowl-like environment in front of, what, 100-plus alumni that were there who had played for Coach K. They already kind of messed up that moment and that moment has now passed. They got through that and so now they have nothing to lose here. They've made it to a final four. It's a heck of a run by all accounts and I think that the pressure just won't be there to the same extent. Yes, there's always pressure. It's the final four and of course, it's the first matchup in the final four between these two rivals, but I think they'll have learned from that experience. They're the higher seed here. I think they're the better team. They're the much deeper team in terms of talent. I think finally all of that is going to pay off for them and I think it's going to be a very- very different result than we saw at Cameron Indoor.
0: All right. The last question for today's respect it or check it. Let's go out to the association. Amber, we will have an NBA finals rematch between Milwaukee and Phoenix. You're going to respect it. Are well, you going to check it?
2: I mean, I want to check this because I want to believe that my Miami Heat are going to be there over the Milwaukee Bucks. But I'm actually going to respect this. I think this is the most likely scenario. I think the West is completely top heavy, and by top heavy, I mean a team, uh, the team sitting <laughs> at top, uh, which is the Phoenix Suns. Nobody comes close to that team unless things look different in the postseason. And in the East, it's a much, much more difficult run for the Milwaukee Bucks, and it's going to be for the Suns getting through that conference. But we know the Bucks can do it. They're battle tested and they're defending they're the defending champs. They look phenomenal. The way Giannis is playing right now is phenomenal. I'm going to respect this as the most likely matchup in the finals.
1: Yeah, I am going to R E S P E C K it. Uh, yeah, we're going <laughs> to respect it and look, that this comes down to uh, everything you just said about Milwaukee uh, it is a tight East. A, the, the West side's is easy. This is Phoenix. I wish I could make a, a compelling argument for why Memphis would go to the NBA Finals because I think that would be incredible to watch and the world would become even more in love with Ja. But I, I think Phoenix has got a pretty good path to that. Milwaukee has a tough path, but they have proof of concept. And, uh, you know, I believe in proof of concept when it comes to the playoffs in any sport. So I'm looking at proof of concept and I'm saying I have proof of concept for Miami's head coach. I have proof of concept for the entirety of the Bucks organization. So I believe the Bucks are being overlooked this year. They will put it all together as they have. And the playoffs just aren't that big a deal anymore. Like now that they got the monkey off their back from last year, they come in footloose, fancy free. They're going to be dancing around like Kevin Bacon all the way to the NBA finals.
2: Also dancing around will be a couple getting married this weekend Ooh. during Duke UNC when in fact they are Duke and UNC fans. We will unpack that. That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Jason Fitz.